If you can turn with me to Genesis 43. And for those who are joining us this morning, let us just remind ourselves that here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word, and that anyone that believes in Jesus Christ is a child of God, let us say it together, the Bible is God's word for us. We thank you, Holy Father, as we come before you this morning to hear from your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit who teaches us, who enables us to understand your word, may minister to us this morning and enable us to receive it as it is, so that, Lord, through your word, you may accomplish what you intend to accomplish this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, last Sunday we saw Joseph's brothers had uh, gone to Egypt and returned back to Canaan to their father with food. We also saw that uh, in everyone's sack, everyone's bag, the portion of the silver that they used to buy the grain from Egypt was returned to them. And so they went back home, they told their father the story, and they went on with their life. And now the food that they brought is about to be finished. And so their father again sends them back to Egypt, but this time they cannot go back to Egypt because Joseph had demanded that they come back with their youngest brother Benjamin. And that's why their brother Simon was imprisoned. And so they tell their father that we cannot return without Benjamin. And the father is unwilling, Jacob is unwilling to part with Benjamin because he's already lost Joseph. And he blames his sons for it. But he also is losing Simon because Simon is in prison at this moment. And Jacob has been grieving since Joseph's disappearance. But... Judah steps up and he tells his father, I'm going to be responsible for Benjamin. And if I don't bring him back, you can take my two sons and do to them what you want. And by the way, we have no food anyway. And therefore, we have to do something about it. And therefore, Judah surrenders. He gives up and he allows them to take Benjamin with them. And he prays for them in verse 14. When he allows them to take some gifts to Egypt together with their brother Benjamin, he prays for them in verse 14. He says, And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. 
He is surrendering to the Lord. This is a prayer of surrender. But it also invites us to see the Lord's big heart. I think the author uses this prayer to help us see the Lord uh, as the one who gets our attention in many ways. So when Joseph's brothers go to Egypt, they, they are afraid because they don't know what to expect because of the silver that they had in their bags, and they are returning it back. When they arrive in Egypt, they are received so well. But they are still worried. We are told in verse 18, if you look at verse 18, now the men were frightened when they were taken to Joseph's house. They thought they were brought, they were brought, they thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. This is what is going on in their minds. They are expecting the worst. This is what happens when we are guilty. We expect the worst. When we have done something wrong, we expect the worst. That's the reason we struggle to accept God's forgiveness. And I repeat this because I know there are many Christians that continue to struggle with guilt because they are struggling with accepting God's forgiveness. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, O Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We've also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. We are sorry. We didn't take it. And the steward responds to them in the most encouraging way. He says, it's all right. Don't be afraid. You are God. You should know that this is an Egyptian speaking. He's someone who doesn't even believe in God. You are God. The God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simon, Simeon out of them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that he were, they were to eat there. These men who are afraid, who are worried because 
of their sin, really. What is eating them is not just the return of the silver, but what they did to their brother. It is that guilt that is still driving them, that is still tormenting them, that is influencing how they are interpreting everything that is happening to them. And now they expect the worst, but they are brought in and they are given water to wash their feet and their animals are fed. They are invited to Joseph's house. They expected the worst, but something different is happening here. Joseph, through his steward, is showing them kindness. He's showing them mercy. This is one way God is revealing his big heart to us. He's showing us how merciful he can be through Joseph and his steward. Let's read again from verse 26. When Joseph came home, they presented him the gifts they had brought into the house, and they bowed down before him to the ground. The bowing down here is necessary because every time we see it, it reminds us of the dream. It's pointing us to the dream. It's telling us something about that dream is taking place here. And Joseph asked them how they were, and then he said, how is your aged father you told me about. Is he still living? And they replied, your servant, our father is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him again. And I'm sure in Joseph's mind, the dream also comes to mind. It's not fully fulfilled, but it's a glimpse. It's a reminder that God is at work here, that everything that is going on has God's hand on it. And as he looked about, Joseph saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, and he asked, is this your younger brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph is becoming emotional here. The word gracious is actually the same word translated mercy. But we also see the same word in Jacob's prayer to his children when he tells them in verse 14, may God Almighty grant you mercy. That word, mass, is the same Hebrew word that is translated gracious. It's a special blessing. In, in the Old Testament, the only other place we find it is in Numbers chapter 6, verse 25, when Moses blesses the children of Israel and he says, 
May the Lord be gracious to you and may he make his face shine upon you. It's a special blessing. But this is used here also to point us back to Jacob's prayer. There is a play with words here. The author is trying to tell us there is a connection with what is happening here in Jacob's prayer. When Jacob prays to his sons that may the, that man have mercy on you, and then we see the brothers being treated mercifully by Joseph and his steward. He's showing us the fulfillment or the answering of Jacob's prayer. It's all bringing us together to make us understand that God, the Lord, is doing something here. It's not just Joseph, it's the Lord. Be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and he wept there. This is the second time, again, we see Joseph overcome by emotions, compassion, deeply moved, and he moves away to weep. He is identifying with the plight of his brothers. He is in power and he can do anything he wants to do to them. In fact, it would be justified if he revenged against them, if he did something to revenge what they did to him. It would be justified. But he looks at them and he sees them as miserable people, needy, afraid, people that need mercy. And because of that compassion, because he is deeply moved, he moves away and he weeps. He identifies with his brother's plight. After he had washed his face, Joseph came out and he said to his servants, serve the food. Now, Everything that is happening here is not what the brothers expected. Joseph, we can see that he is still emotionally involved and is struggling in his emotions, but everything that he is doing is against what we would have expected him to do because of what his brothers did to him. He serves them food. And then he arranges the brothers to sit from the oldest to the youngest. And they look at themselves and it surprises them, but they don't pay much attention to that. And when they are served food, Benjamin gets more than his brothers. His plate is full. And his brothers, Joseph's brothers, look at him and they can see that his plate is full. But this time, they are not envious. This time, they continue eating their food. They enjoy the provision and they are grateful. 
Joseph is probably testing them to see how they would respond. Because when they saw that Joseph was their father's favorite son, they were envious. And so here Joseph is showing favoritism to Benjamin. He wants to see how they would respond. They look at him, but they are so gracious because they know that what they are getting is not what they deserve. And therefore, they are gracious. They are enjoying, they are no longer envious. This is also a sign that the brothers are growing. They are developing. They are maturing just as Joseph is maturing. God is at work here. You know, when you look at Joseph... When he got his first son, Ephraim, he named him the one who forgets, saying that God has helped me forget all my troubles. What Joseph was looking for, what he was trying to do, was to forget his experience so that he can enjoy his present uh, success. That is what he was trying to do. But the coming back of his brothers makes him remember his experience. And because he has to remember his experience, he will have to deal with it. Forgetting is not forgiving. Sometimes and many times, we are tempted to cut people that have wronged us, that have annoyed us from our lives, hoping that we will forget about them and about what they did or say to us. And sometimes we succeed in cutting even family members from our lives, cutting friends from our lives, with the hope of forgetting that painful experience. We are tempted to forget them rather than forgive them. Joseph had expected that by forgetting about his past, he would also have dealt with it. But forgetting is not forgiving. Forgetting is not forgiving. Bringing back the brothers to Egypt is an opportunity for Joseph and the brothers to deal with their past. It's an opportunity for them to confront that painful experience in a way that will glorify God. And some of us have those opportunities 
during Thanksgiving when families come together, families that don't talk to one another, they come together. When that happens, it is an opportunity to deal with any conflict that has been there. Sometimes we, we may come together at a funeral or a life celebration service. Those are events that bring people together whether they like it or not. And every time an event like that happens, every time we are brought together, it, it brings back those memories, those memories of those painful experiences that we thought we had forgotten about. And when that happens, God is giving us an opportunity to deal with our experiences, our past difficult and maybe painful or even shameful experiences. And this is an opportunity for Joseph and his brothers to confront their past. And how Joseph is responding here is ushering us to what God expects him to do. Joseph has not yet forgiven his brothers, but he is heading there. His brothers have not yet really confessed their sin and fully dealt with it. But the author is showing us that there is something that is happening to them. By being merciful to his brothers, Joseph is preparing an atmosphere that can restore fellowship. What does this got to do with us? Why do we need to be merciful to those who have wronged us? Being merciful is the last thing you and I want to be to people who have annoyed us. Why should we be merciful? I'm glad you asked. We should be merciful because mercy sets the table where forgiveness is served. Mercy sets the table where forgiveness is served. When you are being merciful to the person that has wronged you, you are preparing an atmosphere, a place a way for them to experience forgiveness. That's why our God is merciful. And you know, mercy is withholding punishment. It's when you have every reason to revenge. You have every reason to punish and then you make a choice to withhold that punishment. And then grace is now giving. Is, is, grace is not withholding. Grace is giving what is not deserved. And we see this at play here, where Joseph 
is merciful. He does not revenge, but he is gracious. He invites them to his house. He feeds his animals. He washes their feet, and he provides food for them. That's the same thing that God has done to each one of us who has believed in Jesus Christ. He has been merciful and gracious. He has withheld punishment because the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die. But he has been merciful with us. And by his grace, he has given us eternal life. So he has gone ahead and provided for us eternity, even though we deserve to go to hell. Mercy and grace. And when we understand that and appreciate that, you will find yourself wanting to be merciful to those who wrong you. Because we are told actually in, in, in Luke chapter, I think it's chapter 6, verse 36, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. We need mercy because sin makes us miserable. It makes us miserable, it makes us afraid, it makes us needy. And mercy invites us to be forgiven. Each one of us needs mercy. In fact, I'm reminded of this story of this lady who had gone to the park. And you know, at that park, they take pictures. And then after you've gone through, you see your pictures displayed there. And if you like it, you pay for it. So this young lady went and looked at her picture. She, she, she was well-dressed, and she was expecting something spectacular. And when she saw her, her picture, she didn't like it. And she was so angry at the photographer. She looked at him and said, you didn't do justice to me. This is not justice. This is, this is not justice. And this photographer looked at her, and then looked at the picture and said to the young lady, Lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> when we look at ourselves, the rebellious life that we have lived, when we look at ourselves and the inconsistencies that we have, when we look at ourselves and the thoughts, the evil thoughts that we entertain about others, when we look at ourselves and the struggle we have in accepting people who are not like us, when we look at ourselves and realize that we are sinful and that we have fallen short of the glory of God, we will realize that we are so miserable that we don't need justice. What we need is mercy. We will realize that we need mercy because if God was to pay us according to our sins, according to the way we think and treat others, according to the way we behave in private, in secret, 
none of us, none of us would be here today. And so we need mercy. But just as we need mercy, we also need to give mercy. One way you can really enjoy your relationship with God and with one another is by being merciful. The problem is we are tempted to be more judgmental. We are tempted to revenge. We are tempted to cut others from our lives because of what they have done or said to us or about us. Remember, mercy prepares the table where forgiveness is served. And do you know why the Lord is patient? Because he is merciful. The Lord is patient with us because... He is merciful. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we are told, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As a believer, we have every confidence to approach the throne of grace to go before the Lord because it is before the Lord that we receive mercy and grace and we are told in Lamentations chapter 3 22 and 23 that his mercies are new every morning now this is God's big heart that every morning when you wake up he is ready to forgive you. Every morning you wake up, he is ready to forgive you even before you sin. He's already prepared to forgive you because mercy prepares the table where forgiveness is served. <coughs> Excuse me. Can you imagine if that's how we lived our lives today? If that's how we were in our relationships. That you go to bed in your heart and mind being prepared to forgive the other person the next day without knowing what they would do. May God help us. May God help me. That when I go to sleep, I may be prepared to forgive my wife for anything that she will do that day. That I will be ready to do that. I will not wait for her to do it. I will be prepared to do it. May this be the message that we send to our families and to our friends. Because this is the message that the father of the prodigal son sent to his son. Excuse me. <coughs> Maybe this is a sign that I should be done. 
Thank you. The son, the prodigal son, decided to go back home to his father. And the author is showing us in Luke chapter 15, the father's heart. We know that the father was prepared to receive his son. Just as God is always prepared to forgive us, just as God is always prepared to receive every sinner who turns to him. That's God's big heart. He has a heart so big that he accepts you and me the way we are. That he accepts us regardless of where we are coming from or what we have done. We may actually look at ourselves and be so hard on ourselves. But God opens his heart to continue receiving us. We fall, we stand, he receives us because he is a God who is merciful. And because he's merciful, he is patient with us. And if you are here or you are listening to us and Jesus is not your savior, the reason you are still alive today, the reason you continue to live this life is because he is merciful and he is patient with you. He is giving you an opportunity to turn to him. It's not because you are smarter, it's because God is merciful. And all of us who are believers, and we know ourselves, we know how inconsistent we are, we know how unfaithful we can be and have been, and we know how we treat others. Let us be reminded this morning that God is merciful. Let us be reminded that God expects us to be merciful as well. And if there is anything here that we need to really turn into prayer is to ask the Lord to give us a heart that is merciful as his heart. Because nothing can stop the Lord from acting in mercy. Nothing. Because God desires to have a fellowship with us where we can worship him in truth. So the challenge I have for you is this. Just take a minute and ask yourself, is there someone in your life who needs your mercy? Is there someone in your life that you have tried to forget? You have cut off hoping that you would forget about that person so that you can forget what they did to you. Is there someone in your life who needs your mercy? And if there is... Make it your prayer request right now. Ask God to help you be merciful to that person. And make it a prayer request right now and continue to pray about that until you start acting the way God would have you act 
towards that person either in attitude or in actions because it begins with what we think about them. And I am telling you, there are so many of us that are in need of that prayer this morning. Let's take a minute and pray. If the Holy Spirit has brought to your, to your attention someone in your life who needs your mercy, I'm not, so, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's what the Lord wants us to do and to be. So ask the Lord to give you the courage, to give you the strength, and all that you need to be merciful to that person, regardless of what they said or did to you. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Joseph's life and the events that help, help us see you in a fresh way. And I thank you for this moment of growth, these opportunities you are giving us to grow in our faith. I thank you for those little challenges that help us, Lord, draw closer to you. Lord, you can see each one of us and you know those areas in our lives that we have struggled to be merciful to those people who have wronged us. And Father, I know it's going to be a struggle for many of us because we want to forget. But Lord, we also know that forgetting is not forgiving. And therefore, we want to be prepared to forgive. We want to be willing to forgive because that is what makes us more like you and like your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you may listen to the prayer of your people. I pray that you, as you continue to be merciful to us, that you may use us as vessels of your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.